Good morning, good afternoon, and anything else that applies by way of a greeting. This morning's Dharma talk title is, uh, it's, I'm saying the same thing every time I talk. For those of you who listen or watch, you see that I'm going over the same situation over and over again. Why do I do that? It's, it's, it's so easy to go away from that into some kind of intellectual understanding of everything that keeps, that protects you, protects me, protects all of us from uh, what is imminent, and that is impermanence. <clears throat> nothing lasts, nothing lasts. Your worst suffering, pain is going to go away. Your greatest happiness, delight is going to go away yeah, because it's dependently arisen, belongs to nobody. So the title is Thirst, Craving, Wish, Desire, Want, Greed for Otherness. And that other, it's just a basic way of saying we want something else. Whatever's showing up, even if it's on the breakfast table, we don't like that, or it's not good enough, or it should have been this way, should have been, should have been, should have been. Constant chatter, internal dialogue, monologue, any other logs. Uh, with ourselves, about ourselves, about who we are, how we're doing, who's interacting with us, how they're treating us, if they're being respectful, being disrespectful. It's quite a, uh, quite a lot of energy going in different directions that is over and over and over again, reifying, substantiating, supporting, validating somebody who's doing something, someone, someone who's going somewhere. Someone who's not doing so well. Someone, someone. Pretty powerful. What do we do with that? If you're listening to me, then what I say is just receive that. Don't correct anything. I'm not saying there aren't other ways of teaching this. There are. And maybe that's where you should be going with us. I don't know. But if you're listening to me, don't fix anything. Nothing is broken. You can actually see what this is. Not going to happen in three days, or maybe even three years, or maybe 30 years. But what I'm saying is start now because you're not going anywhere. The illusion is that we're going somewhere, but fundamentally, you're not going anywhere. Say it again, as I say hundreds of times don't believe me. I don't want you to believe, but consider what moves. Consider that. And this is why the basic instruction uh, that's been around for centuries of Shikantaza. Just precisely this, just precisely this crazy thought, just precisely this wonderful, delightful uh, idea about what might happen tomorrow, the three, when we meet someone or when we talk to someone or where you get a new job or on and on and on thirst for that. It might be a thirst for to have that go away. I've had enough of that. Why is not she divorce me? Those kinds of thoughts. Not that you would have that kind of a thought. Wanting something else. And when it starts to get ramped up and supported by 15 or 20 different stories behind it about who said, and then she said this, and then I didn't do that, but then, but then, but then, but then. And it just keeps going in and fuel, and it comes in and fuels the believability of the separation and the promise that you can actually get your heart's desire. So why would a meditation like Shikandaza, why wouldn't that just kind of be overdosing on sitting down, hold still, and look at the junk roll through the mind? Why don't we, shouldn't we have a mantra or something that can get us away from that? Or shouldn't we have a, 
a way of meditating on an object that can slowly wean us away from the first noble truth, suffering. There are teachings, there are teachers, there are Buddhist teachers that teach that way. Is that incorrect? No, it's not not saying right and wrong. I'm saying if you're listening to me, then this is the way I would say to do this. Why? Um, I, don't, I don't have any backup. I have no guarantee. I have no promises at all. But it seems that if you just observe the clutching action of the mind, the, the, that initial movement away from what you're receiving into producing someone that doesn't like that or producing someone that wants to stop that or change that or move it this way or move it that way. Politics of experience start to take over and we start to strategize and we'll talk to our friends, uh, talk to uh, talk to Sangha, we'll talk to the teacher, we'll, uh, anything we can do to try to what? Figure this out. And it seems to be very necessary for us to receive whatever's arising as dependent origination because as I've said before, I've said many times, I'll continue to say, more than likely, uh, that whatever's arising in your mind needs to be there. It doesn't have a need. It's not separate. So there's no self nature to anything that arises, no matter how intense the anxiety or the suffering or the whatever, discombobulation, whatever's happening in the mind stream, we look for why. We look for why, the why question. Why is this? Well, you can find a because, because that's the structure of relative truth. This rises, then that occurs, then this changes, and then that stops, on and on and on, and so forth. And it's so incredibly <clears throat> mesmerizing, the seduction of being able and be, being able to get out of our dissatisfaction into some kind of delightful heaven realm. And, and it's possible you can temporarily get into some other way of looking at things that feels better. But it doesn't last. So for each person, this observing, this shikantaza, this awareness practice is going to work differently because your particular karma, the causes and conditions that even brought you into this room or into this uh, uh, Zoom uh, amphitheater, whatever brought you here is your particular cup of tea. That's what's happening. So you need to look at that. This doesn't mean you need to come here. You don't need to come to the monastery. I don't have to be your teacher. Don't do anything unless you have to. I'm not saying stay away, but I'm saying really look at the intention for everything you're doing. It's so important. So important. There's nothing to join here. This is not a club. It's not a cult. Nobody's being ordered around at all, whatsoever. This may never, this may be the last day this ever happens. Everything comes to an end, comes to an end. Everything is showing up, all compounded things, as the Buddha said, will vanish. Maybe in three years, three days. Your mind stream, what is arising in your mind stream, that's your, that's the training ground. That's why Shikantaza, sit very still, just observe whatever is moving in the mind stream. This will not particularly show up as some kind of improvement situation. It can be it can be the other way around. You can slowly start to see that which you've been able to shove away since you were born or push down or cover up 
or make excuses for any kind of, you know, passion, aggression, ignorance, any kind of movement away from what arises, because what arises is exactly what you need to see in order to live a sane and uplifted life. And each person gets a different dose of that, a different, something different is, is served to treat it like it was a meal that you had to eat. Everyone's getting something different. Some people have to eat some pretty distasteful stuff because of dependent origination, because there is no solid self there, but there is consciousness there. And the consciousness is looking for someone who feels that way and it will find it. This is called narcissism or ego. The seventh consciousness in the Yogacara tradition, as we've talked about many times, and you can study. It's just a, a way of talking about it. We don't know exactly what it is, but we kind of know what it does. It's a hell of a lot of trouble. And, and the suffering that comes up is so convincing. It's the terror is so convincing. And that's because the imputation is there's someone who can be harmed. And there is not. Realize your true nature. I wouldn't fiddle too much around with trying to change things in your life. So things, so you don't have as much anxiety. That being said, maybe you do need to go that way. Maybe you don't need to uh, meditate at all. Maybe your like your particular situation, the structure of that might be such that you really need to talk to a, a psychiatrist or a therapist or do something totally different. I don't know, but I do know this. You need to do it. And that may be, not doing anything unless you have to do it. If you, if you consider that, that particular, it's not all that fancy or that profound or philosophical, but look at all the things you do, you do not have to do. Take an attitude like that and you'll see, and then the motivation for doing anything starts to become more um, transparent. You're able to see more deeply why you're even going this direction. Sometimes the reason for doing something can be kind of embarrassing. Ego mind tends to be uh, very uh, proud and not too happy with motivations that start to show up as being selfish when you're trying to be so kind and helpful. And you're, there's this, these selfish motivations in the background. What do you do with those? Just receive them. It is so difficult to do this for us to, for all of us to just be genuine. Whatever rises in the mind stream, needs to be there. It comes with a ticket to ride. If it shows up, you got it coming. Not you, because there isn't anyone. But the causes and conditions that are rising in terms of this particular body-mind complex seem so personal. Is it my hand? Is it my coffee? Possessor, the possession of things. My thoughts about, I've been thinking about this. I've been thinking about that. It seems that's a sitting practice of meditation, if it's practiced over a long period of time, that we can be able, we get so that we are able to see the spaciousness of our thought patterns, even though the thought patterns are uh, distressing or causing more anxiety. We're, we're able, we're, we are able to see the spaciousness around that. This takes quite a while. This takes quite a bit of intention. 
I'm not saying you couldn't do this in a few years, but it's very unlikely. What, what am I saying? Oh, you can do what? You can see what's true. So you can stop operating, out, operating out of the motivation of a self-centered uh, individual who's full of themselves, even though their outward uh, veneer or their outward presentation is very kind, loving, and they're always doing everything to help others. Good show, but it's a show. You won't know that it's a show until death comes without warning, or you might get a few, a few uh, you might have some warning. You might realize that you're, this is coming to an end. This human life is coming to an end. Well, not last. But while you're here, you can find out what your actual identity is. This is what this is, why this is sometimes referred to as a schoolroom. It's, it's, it's different than the relative truth of do this and that happens, do this and that happens. There's something to that, to a point. But looking for some kind of a result or something that shows up, that means that you're getting better and meditation is working. Meditation is not going to work, at least the way I understand it. But it will begin to reveal who you are, what this is, what this life is, what your fundamental motivation is about. I can take some questions or I can continue to. When you're bowing, sometimes in the throes of intense negativity, uh, the personalization is it's like a solid wall for me mm -hmm. when that's occurring i want out of it i want it released mm -hmm. what's what, the question what is what is that solid wall dependent origination it has nothing to do with you we take something that arises and we make it personal and that fuels the self-centeredness the egotism the egocentrism the narcissism and then it depends on the karma that is arising in your particular mind stream. The karma brought you into this path. So what's happening to uh, a politician in Georgia or, or a, a talk show host in California, what arises in their mind stream, if there's no mind training there, then it will just be, uh, it'll just be accommodated. It'll just be true and they'll function out of that. Or it'll be untrue and they'll push it away or shove it down or talk another direction. You have the opportunity to opportunity to look at it directly and see what it is. it is. Because it is dependently risen, it is unreal. I don't care how bad it feels. Because the, the actual feeling itself is dependently risen. There's no one who feels that way. There's intense suffering. It comes and goes. Differently, different with everyone. But there's no solid personhood there. And you probably, it sure feels like it... Uh... That's the illusion. It feels personal. And so rather than talk ourselves out of it, use some kind of logic. Well, this shouldn't bother me. Um, I shouldn't feel this way. Yes, you should. You need to receive that which is arising and, and at the same time see that there is no solid personhood there. There's no person, no individual. There's just coming, what's coming and what's leaving, what's coming and what's leaving. It's dependently risen. This is why it's sometimes pointed out, like his, his holiness, the 16th Karmapa, when he was, just before he passed away, said, nothing happens. And that is, the expression of that just means that there, there's no, the, 
what is occurring is, is an illusion. No matter how solid it is, it's still an illusion. Everything that occurs does not last, has no substance. Well, so in that uh, teaching he gave, nothing happens, is that recognizing Buddha nature? That's a relative way of, 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 of seeing ultimate truth, yes. I'm expressing ultimate truth to a particular person who is sobbing at his bedside. The Vajra region, Ursul Tenzin, who was his student, this. That's a way of saying it. Nothing, nothing happens. It is an illusion. Uh, and my imagination, uh, of my memory of him, is that he probably smiled when he said it. Because it's so, it's an incredibly intense illusion. So just, you don't have to stop having emotions about something because, oh, everything's an illusion. So I know, know that feelings can get more intense. Make room. When I say make room, sit down, face the wall, and see the room that is already there between you and the wall between you and your thought patterns, between the thought patterns. Look at the spaciousness of everything. It's an it's, it, it is incredibly vast and with an unending. It is called Maha Vipassana, or the Great Panoramic Awareness. This is available to you. Whether you know what, are able to recite the 12 links on the chain of existence or not, it's available to you now. Now. Yes. Um, if <clears throat> if seeing things uh, are illusory um, can, can increase the intensity, does... I wouldn't say that that was causing that, that it can, I'd say it might, that may happen, but the dependent origination behind that, untraceable. So that's why if we look, for, if you look for evidence, all evidence is partial, very partial. Our whole life, our Western materialism, and some Eastern is based on getting somewhere on right and wrong, up and down, back and forth. Success and failure, crime and punishment. Go ahead. Sure, Does seeing things um, as illusory shift anything? Yeah, the, the, uh, it won't happen right away, but the attachment to outcomes starts to back off. But there's no guarantee, and you, you won't get a credential. You won't say, I, I think I'm seeing things that are illusory because uh, I'm not attached to what happens anymore. This doesn't mean you don't care what happens. That's, that's a self-centeredness and ego that just wants to be unconcerned. I don't care. You know, I used to be really concerned about things, but I started meditating like that. So it's just, you know, things happen, so what? So the, the conversation we have with ourselves is it doesn't seem to work. Go ahead. It's worse than that. It's worse than that. And the ego knows this as a why it panics because it starts to say, wait a minute, this does not look good. This is why you need, or maybe not, maybe you don't, maybe this isn't your life, lifetime to see this. But the way I see it, you need a teacher, a teaching, and a community. So that you can see it because there's not, not going to be any credential or any proof. That robe is meaningless that you're wearing. Yet it's very difficult to do this without some kind of a structure that you can return to, return to the teacher, return to the Buddha, return to the teaching, return to the Dharma, return to the community, return to the Sangha. No, no maintenance, 
not maintaining that, but just return to that, return to that, return to that. Go ahead. Sure, Molly. I'm curious about the road being meaningless. I bet you are. Actually, I know that. But... Is there is there some kind of relative? Yes. That's why it's meaningless. Ultimately meaningless, but it's relative. It's a relative thing that you can do in the relative world where you can sow a robe and receive vows that you can practice to help you give you some kind of a container so you can realize your true nature which transcends all all arrow pointing transcends everything more it's not coming to uh On the bowing, um, you say consider what moves. How do we uh, consider um, and depersonalize? How is that? How can that consideration be depersonalizing? Just watch the movement. Something's coming. Something's going. Something's holding still. Something's whatever it's doing. There's no. There's no. Nothing extra is added to it. So this is why shikantaza is just sit down, hold still, sit symmetrical. Hold the body still, the body and mind are not two different things, nor are they the same thing. The, 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 what is happening here uh, can't really be addressed. You can't particularly hold the mind still, although sometimes mantra is used to get some kind of say-so or some kind of connection with stability there. But just sit down and hold still as still as you can without being rigid or macho about it. Watch the continued moving, movement of the mind and see that what comes and what goes, what hangs around is uh, unreal. But, but there's still form, as it says in the, in the sadhana, uh, vividly unreal, vividly unreal, vividly unreal in emptiness, yet there's still form. Wendell Bowing, um, in that regard, what is the difference between um, watching a movie at a theater and watching our minds on Christian? Same thing, basically. Just watching the interior film strip go, come and go, come and go. It doesn't mean that there aren't things that are happening that are connected with something that happened yesterday and something someone said to you or something about your job or your family. Or It doesn't mean that those don't tie in, but you can't actually think about anything. I mean, you can't just, I'm not going to think about anything but what occurred. It's, no, it's impossible to do that because what occurs is, has its own dynamic. If you go in and think about it, then you're projecting onto what occurred. You can't fundamentally know what occurred. Therefore, nothing happens. When we're uh, when something arises, uh, thought, memory, feeling, are we looking? Are we considering the texture, the context, the content? The practice, the way I teach this, is to sit down, hold still, meditating, doing shikantaza, and whatever arises. Uh, it's it's a way you, you could say you're kind of depersonalizing it, but that's not it's not a it's not a uh, strong pushy uh, demanding kind of situation. You're just watching because it's already the case. You're not creating some other thing, a mantra. Not against mantras. I've done quite a number of them, and I even recommend them sometimes. We we do it in the monastery every day. 
your system is used as a maintenance device for something. So whatever rises, when we look at what arises, and rather than add to it or had com have commentary, rather than do a bunch of math around it, or a bunch of calculations, instead, we just look at the texture of it. In other words, it, whatever arises, whether it's in uh, auditory or whether it's uh, a visual or whether it's uh, tactile in our taste, in our, in our uh, smell, or in our mind stream, it has a texture to it. And that texture is an aspect of form that doesn't have any particular story around it. So if you're with the story around it, with the additions, the subtractions, the divisions that come up about this shouldn't be, that should be, they shouldn't have said, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be feeling this way. On and on and on, all the, all the story balloons, all the post-it notes, all over everything, about, 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 totally ignoring, or at least partially ignoring the texture of the fundamental thing that is arising, that is empty of other, empty of anything. It's empty, it's just form. Uh, could you also say shape, looking at the shape of what shape, arises? Same thing. Similar. What's arising, what, if it's auditory, has a kind of shape or a kind of texture. What arises in the, uh, in the mind as uh, thought forms. Actually, you can still think and actually be able to look at the structure of the thought, look at the structure of the form, look at, see how much greed is attached to that for wanting a particular outcome, and just witness the greed. Don't try to shut down your desire. Why it's difficult to do as a uh, some kind of a practice where you uh, have a have a uh, a cause and effect. That's relative truth. That's why the vow is the intention to save all beings, which is impossible to do. But but the intention to do that to put one's heart mind in the direction of others. What what is that? Seems to be helpful. Bowing, it's um, how do we can we emphasize that whatever arises is other? Uh, I don't know if you can, there may be some ways to emphasize it, but the most important thing to do is rather than emphasize or produce, it's to receive, just receive, just receive, let it let it come and sit in your lap, let it come uh, to your. Taste buds. Let it come and come to your mind. Just you could say, allow. In other words, don't don't object to anything. Don't agree with anything, and don't ignore passion, aggression, and ignorance. That's a lot of practice to do that. It won't show up as a result that oh, finally I'm not objecting to anything. Tisho. Tisho Bowing. You talked about the why question seducing us away from what is in front of us. For me, the what question is also seducing, but it takes me away uh, with just what is it? Uh, how, how do I work with uh, even that fundamental question of what is this and not being seduced by it? Uh, don't, don't worry about the seduction. That you are aware of the seduction is how this is done. You're just aware. You say, "What is this?" and it draws you into it. And being a, you know, being professionally, being a scientist, being a, a chemical engineer, that's gonna that way of that's why you do that kind of work because it is it is a heavy, heavy 
reinforced relative structure that actually responds to very uh, clear conceptual uh, cause and effect. Very difficult, as we've talked earlier about this a little bit. You're, you're not going to be able to get this. You're not going to be able to get uh, water to act like smoke. You can't. You can't really do that. But you can if you if you're just looking for effect. Then you know we could make a movie about it and use special effects and get that to look that way because it's, uh, it responds to the desire to to produce an illusion just like the mind does, illusory, just like daydreaming about something. I'm sure you all have noticed. You can just pick out anything and just daydream about it, like or you know something is going to happen, like Mason's daydream about Nepal. No, I think there's something else he's daydreaming about, but I won't mention that. And then uh, Kurt's going to Japan, so probably daydreaming about, is this wrong? No, no, daydream all you want. But just be aware, the idea is to be aware of the quality of uh, consciousness going this way or going that way. And no obstruction, it's an open dimension. Walls of the mind, Mukege Ko, that is mentioned in the Heart Sutra. It's, it's not about getting rid of the walls, or even though it says without walls of the mind, it's about seeing that there's walls, see the chains. That which sees the chains is not chained. Yogito. Yogito Bowen, if greed or anger, one of these things arises and immediately we see or feel disgust or dislike of yes. that, is that moving away from it? See you're feeling it? Excuse me. No, not necessarily. It's just you do something with that. You just see that and feel that. And don't, and you try to reject that or try to get rid of that feeling. And, and, and another way of get, getting rid of something is to actually try to accept it. Not a good idea to just accept. Don't do anything with it. Any movement towards, away, or shutting down is actually reinforces the illusion of otherness that is real, that you can get away from that bad stuff and you can get to the good stuff. Simply put. Sir. A few questions from YouTube. Go ahead. Isaac Leon asks, is the thirst for something else passion? Yes. You don't have to get rid of passion. You should enjoy yourself. Different other ways of looking at this in the past have been be celibate. Be, don't don't enjoy yourself. Don't eat anything after noon or lunchtime. So all kinds of ways of trying to control the passions and control the desires. Baloney. I'm not saying you don't look at those and aren't aware of those, but to try to thwart that to create a, a an enlightened being or to create, you don't have to create enlightened being. Everyone is not separate from the Buddha, never has been. But we cover it up out of fear, out of conditioning that's been going on for countless centuries. <laughs> Jeremy Gray asks, is just receive another way to say equanimity? Can you speak a little about that? You can say that. The attitude is to just receive. And a lot of that may be seeing how you keep shutting down. You can't receive. No, you can't. Spontaneous reactions. I just can't do that. I know I'm supposed to receive. We start lecturing ourselves. I know I'm supposed to receive. He, she, they, they can't mean this. This is a terrible thing to receive. 
equanimity is just a word that is pointing to something that we're, nothing is missing. Nothing is out of balance. There isn't even such a thing as balance. There's only balance when there's imbalance. But something is perfect. Uh, until you see what it is, will look like confusion, will look like imbalance. That's why you have to look at the imbalance. This is why I say, and other people way before I got here say, sit down, hold still, look at it. Look at the confusion. This is what the Buddha did. The Buddha did not awaken to strawberry fields forever. The Buddha awoke to extreme suffering and difficulty of everyone. This is compassion. Just receiving that. Deb Bowling. In my profession and work, um, in my life work, I'm a caretaker, which moves me towards making connections and trying to be present for what I think others need. How do I make spaciousness in those moments when I'm drawn into others' needs? Bowling. I don't know you very well, but just what little I do know you, I don't think there's anything to change or correct. Most important uh, recommendation, or if you want to call it advice, since uh, that's what I'm supposed to do, according to Kevin Townley, I'm on any Enneagram is a two, so that means I like to tell people what to do. So here it comes. Uh, <laughs> practice, practice, practice. Get your get to the cushion, get to the chair. Hold still, watch what moves, watch what moves. Uh, relate to the, the, the teacher, the, te the three jewels, however you see, you see fit. So you can, maybe it's necessary to, to formally uh, observe vows, maybe not. There's no requirement. It's all about you, your karma. But from what little I know of you, I think you're, you're probably doing fine. You don't necessarily have to second guess you're helping somebody or being with somebody. But the more you train your mind to see clearly, the more that clarity, without you knowing about it. If you feel like you're getting more clear, you're bullshitting yourself. I mean that. I mean that. Say that again. I mean that. It, this doesn't mean that you aren't onto something, but it's probably not feeling more clear. It's probably seeing more deeply into the, the nature of confusion which of course is clarity, but if it's showing up as a, as a result, then you've just blocked off the very crap you're trying to see, simply put. But you're, I would say just return to the cushion, sit as much as you can. If you can sit a couple hours a day, that's great. If you can sit 20 minutes a day, that's great. If you can do some block sitting or four hour blocks of sitting once a week, that's also very good. Further question, Deb? No, thank you. So Kazan bowing. Christina Bowen. Thank you, Christina. What's up? Um, thinking about cause and effect, dependent origination, and hunger and thirst. So, do we thirst for this sense of cause and effect, Bowen? There's something to that. We're, we're, uh, if I'm understanding your question, we we have a craving or a desire to see the truth. So, but that can get very mixed up with all kinds of other things. Well, the way you see the truth is this way. You have to do this and this. You have to do this many mantras. You have to do this. And I'm not disagreeing with that. 
if you have if you have a teacher that is telling you that you need to do this or that or this or that practice, you should do it. If it's your teacher, so I'm not saying there's a right, a right and wrong part, the right practice. Uh, it's, this is it's just an incredible misunderstanding of the whole thing. So yes, you would want to know what is the truth, and then if you find a situation, find a teacher or a teaching or community where that is being looked at or considered rather than just trying to get you to believe a certain thing or get control of you or get you to join something. That's more cult behavior. Not interested in that at all. More, Christina? Um, Christina Bowling, so how does, is cause and effect ultimately unreal, but seems to exist on like certain levels, Bowling? Yeah, it's, it's relatively real, but it's ultimately unreal. And those two are not two different things. But that has to be seen. If you see it, you're liberated. And actually, nothing, nothing was ever in prison, so even liberation is extra. Nothing was ever. You were never in a jail. You were never, you were never in prison. So therefore, you, if someone sees what this is, you're not going to hear them bragging too much about it. But it's available to you. But you can, if you, if you understand what I'm pointing out or see what I'm pointing out, I may never hear from you again. Why would you talk to me? You see it. If you don't see it, you might want to come back a few times. Christina Bowen. Go ahead, please. I, I keep coming back because I like you. <laughs> but um, one, one more question with regard to the cause and effect. So say I'm meditating and it feels like there's an interject or something. There's some sort of force that's, you know, coming in at me or whatever. And I seem to um, feel that it's causing this thing, sensation in my physical, emotional body or whatever. Um, that's a question. And, and I'm thinking about what Uno asked, you know, the wall. Um, am I con what error do we usually make in regard to creating a cause and effect scenario with that? Bowing. We believe it. We, we, something happens and we, we believe that's true. Something else happens. We believe that's false. Something else happens. And we just simply put, it's extremely complicated beyond that. It's not just this, just that, just this, just that. It's very complicated. So this is why it's so important for you, for me, for any of us to just watch the movement of the mind. This is where the whole thing uh, is can be seen. You can actually see the confusion, the cause and effect, the delusion, and the suffering right here. This is where you see it. This is not separate from everything else, but it's hard to look at everything else uh, without becoming a philosopher or becoming a, some kind of a, a scientist that's just working with the relative situation. Not wrong. That, maybe that, that could be done too. But if you're listening to me, I'm saying go within to use a relative statement, relative recommendation, the relative advice. Look here, don't listen to me. Listen to me and consider. Consider just, that's my advice. Consider doing this yourself. It's a transcendental do-it-yourself project called the Three Jewels of Buddhism, Buddha Dharma. 
but a dharma goes in lots of different directions. And it's a good thing that it does because you need lots of outflows from that original teaching so that, so that it gets a strong foundation. The true teaching is in Buddhism. Uh, I, I feel that the true teaching is in every religious, so-called religious or transcendental approach to living. Indigenous uh, peoples, Hinduism, uh, Jain, Jainism, uh, even the desert religions have, have a kernel of, of, of understanding there. Quite often it's manipulated into just the politics of experience so we can control people. Is that wrong? I don't know if it's wrong or not. I don't look at it in that way. You should do what you want to do. Thank you, sir. Welcome. Further questions? Further questions on Zoom? Doesn't seem to be any here in the Zendo. Augie, don't you have a question? Come on. Augie bowing. Uh, could we say that in addition maybe to just receive, there's receive and recognize, recognize what we're receiving, bowing? No. That sets up a, that sets up a recognizer. Just receive is devastating. And that's, that's, is going to need to occur on some level and different with each person. It's, it's devastating. It's very disappointing. Uh, Trung Parimache even said the path to awakening is one disappointment after another until the final disappointment, which is a realization itself, which, which you get no, you get no credentials out of it. You get, you don't get anything out of it. Completely worthless. But it is vast and untraceable. And you're no longer separate from it. You never were, but now you know that you're not separate from it. Go ahead, Mark. You have a question? Sure. Yeah. Um, Mark Bowing. Uh, is there a particularly useful attitude toward weight loss? Bowing. Why are you asking me, Mark? <laughs> That's a why question. <laughs> I, I have no idea. I, I'm sincerely, I have no idea. I could go on with my um, weight, weight loss, weight gain. Uh, there's the dependent origination there is completely confusing to me. And I don't know, but I'm not sure if that's even what you're asking me about. I didn't think you were asking me what you should be eating. But, but. That would help. That would even be helpful. <laughs> <laughs> well, eating less doesn't seem to work. Uh, fasting doesn't seem to work, as you know. Uh, eating this food or that food. It's, it's so complicated, I think. But the attitude, I would say, is uh, just do the best you can. The most important thing you can work with is the mind stream, is to, to walk, observe what happens in the mind stream with, with, by adding as little to it as possible. So speaking of a diet there, I've given a talk on that maybe a few times, the ego diet. Put the, put the ego on a diet. Uh, less is better, less of everything other than looking at it, uh, meditation practice. We might have to spend some time seeing the way the ego is, gets its support through, ego can get support through success. 
excuse me, I'm so successful. I'm getting ahead of everything. I'm getting an, getting an advantage. Or if you get it through failure, I'm such a terrible person. Nothing ever works. Here I go again. You know, I'm so caught up in my negativity and I want to end my life or whatever. And then we take different directions, as you know. Is there spe some specific uh, question about that? Uh, like anything? Something I'm missing, all what you're asking. Hune. Hune Bowing. When we want something different, do we need to know whether we're pushing, pulling, or looking away? Bowing. No, you, you, that would be pretty obvious. If you're a meditator, you're going to get an idea how that works. And, and again, don't change it. Don't stop it. Don't start it. Don't fuel it. Don't, 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 don't. It sounds like a donut shop. Don't do anything with it. And that's. That's difficult because the impulses, the more clear it becomes, the quite often the sharper the impulse is just like, just got to stop that. That's just crazy. That circle is just crazy. Look at the craziness. Be the craziness. Be the, the, the shit that you're trying to get rid of, at least for a little bit, so you can get an idea how it works. This does not feel good to that aspect of the consciousness that is is clutching at, uh, at self-protection. Just some kind of paranoia about something's going to go wrong. Nothing, nothing's going to go wrong. Is there a before and after to the thirst bowing? No. Unless there's some kind of imputation around it, that may work for a little while, but fundamentally, before and after, extra. And seem to protect us somehow. Well, that was yesterday. Well, this hasn't happened yet. Kieran Bowing, is there something that... Will you stop asking me questions? <laughs> is there something that empties out before the thirst happens? Um, it doesn't need to empty out. It was, it was never there. That's what happens. It was never there. So you actually are, are, you're, you actually are a human form, and you're living in a dimension that isn't even a dimension. It's just that everything that that occurs happens in that situation so there's no otherness to it sometimes it's in the teaching it's called emptiness but you don't it's nothing you maintain you don't walk around not believing in anything because everything is empty that's more path quality that can happen as a path but the ultimate realization is not separate which is flat out ordinary tamogishepa is a word that tibetans use ordinary mind did I pronounce that correctly? Maybe. I don't know what you're trying to pronounce. <laughs> I probably didn't pronounce it correctly. <laughs> How's it spelled? Oh, you're spelled? I didn't spell it. <laughs> oh, I see. Propelled. It's a T H A M A L G E S H E P A would be my phonetic. Tamagishepa. I'll try to look it up. Oh, you look it up. Okay. You have a question? Sometimes you'll say to put a little tension on something, and I'm wondering when the putting a little tension becomes shutting down on something. I think you would know. The, the tension is the tension is just that it brings you into that area where you can feel how much you're compelled to go into something. So it's a it's another way of talking about uh, a kind of discipline that is more about awareness uh, rather than try to control or get a result. Some kind of macho approach to it. Just a little bit of tension there. 
and then notice that it's that it just caves in and goes that direction or or, or backs off. That gives you an idea of how much uh, much energy is happening there. Quite often, based on fear of being wrong, fear of not getting what you wanted. You have a puzzled look on your face. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? <laughs> Probably bad. Yes. Cheers and buying. It seems like there's some quality of watching an oscillation that's showing up for me. Um, it doesn't necessarily feel like a credential. Is there still a credential there? Probably not. Just oscillation, just watching the oscillation. You have to get a credential. You have to leave what you're looking at for something about it. And if you're looking at it, you won't really know what it is. You won't, might not even know whether it has any value at all. It's just a movement. It's just a movement. It's just a mudra. Everything. This is, uh, this is called a uh, uh, maha mudra. Or the great, the great gesture, the great, the, because it's not separate. It's just a way of talking about it. Chicken thousand, basically. Any questions? Jessica. Jessica Bowing. Um, I'm looking to see if you have a recommendation around a relative situation. You're living with somebody and you have to communicate with them a lot, but that person is really oriented around praise and blame. So communication kind of gets filtered through that, makes it challenging. Do you have any recommendations on working with that, Valen? So it's it's so very situational that it could be, you know, it depends on your, your relationship, whether it's your child, whether it's your brother, whether it's a, just a house mate, uh, roommate, or whether it's your a parent, or all of the different things are going to play into that and what your, what your relationship has been with them all along. Uh, but less is better, probably less of everything. But when you are in that person's presence, be on receive as much as possible. Listen, ask, ask questions, not interrogation. Don't try to fix them. Look at the praise and blame. Don't try to teach them anything about how full of desire for praise they are and how they're defending themselves. They're probably very intelligent and, and the best way to, to work with them is to let them see it. And you're not going to be able to, they're not going to have any, any ability, any space to see it. If you're going after them or correcting them or trying to function as a teacher, don't teach anybody anything. Don't teach unless you have to. Don't teach unless you absolutely have permission from somebody. So I would say in that situation, just uh, I'm not sure what what dynamic we could talk about it sometime in an interview, if you like, or if you don't want to, that's fine, too. It's up to you. But I would say less is probably better. Receive as much as you can. A little bit of production is OK, but uh, just, uh, you know, how's it going? Sorry to hear that. Hope things get better. Um, and, but not particularly being sucked into complimenting them so that they feel better. That might be the difficult area when they're used to getting compliments from you or encouragement to back that off a little bit, make it a little bit more, um, you're not gonna, going to be mean to them, but uh, like they have to be responsible for the feelings that are coming up in their mind rather than 
you're going to fill in the gaps with, I really love you. It's really great. Everything's going to be okay. You're doing really good. I really like the way you did this. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that being said, you might not be able to help that. It depends on the, you might really not be able to help that. And if that's the case, then, then don't worry about, you know, r- ripping the thing apart. Just, just be aware that you're doing that. Awareness doesn't belong to anyone. It just doesn't. There's no ownership happening there. The illusion that that you, that your thoughts are yours, that you're, everything is some kind of personhood is happening there that is substantial, validated somehow. That's the illusion. The whole world thinks they're somebody. Have you noticed? Anybody, especially somebody who has no mind training at all, just completely convinced that what, all their thoughts are correct. Uh, unless they're wrong about something, and then they're first one to admit, well, I was wrong about that, but now I'm back on track again. And it doesn't make any difference whether they're a religious person. It doesn't make any difference even if they're, they say they're a Buddhist. They can still be uh, full of themselves. A few questions from YouTube. Um, Lid asks, can simplifying the way I present myself help with putting my ego on a diet? For example, simple clothing and hair. Um, Clothing and hair? No, 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 no. No, no. I see what you're kind of see what you're saying, but I wouldn't. This, uh, I don't think so. Just do it with the mind. Just do it with just return. Bring everything down to a to a still point. Just this. Bring it. Bring it back. Return. Return to the cushion. Return to the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. If that teaching supports you, and if it doesn't support you, or if you don't understand it, then I wouldn't bother. But get to the cushion. Get to the stillness where all this movement is happening in the mind. The body is still, you watch what moves, but I wouldn't worry about, you know, if you wouldn't change anything particularly, like if you're, you've been really fussy about your hair or something, which I'm kind of just imagining what you might be addressing, I would say I wouldn't worry about that. Get a really nice haircut <laughs> or use different rollers. Or, or, I don't know, even know who I'm talking to here. Lid row. L-Y-D. Have I met? Have I met? I feel like they've asked questions before. No, I feel like that too, you know? I think you've met. Okay, so I would say I I wouldn't worry about changing, um, you know, your appearance. If I understand the question, that's what I would say. But I may not understand what you're asking about, so you could ask again. Another question from, this one's from Stephanie Squibb. Um, Question, Stephanie Bowing. There is a strong inclination to reconcile pain in relationship to others. Is that greed? It's it's passion. Trying to reconcile is, uh, and there's so, the causes and conditions that arise in that area are sometimes that's what you need to do. But it's, you do that out of clarity, not out of greed. The greed can be there. You're not going to get rid of greed. You don't have to. Go ahead. Does clarity function through the poisons? Sure. You don't have to get rid of anything. You don't have to be someone else. You don't have to get rid of greed. You don't have to get rid of anything. You have to see clearly that there's no solid being anywhere. There's no self in this context. Form, feeling, perception. 
concept of thinking process and consciousness of the six sense fields and their objects does not add up to a being. There's a body here waving arms around, but there's no solid being here. So if you see what this is, you're fearless. It doesn't mean that you're that you don't have fear, that fear doesn't arise, but you see that it's dependently arisen. There's no one who's afraid. Never was. There's no one who needs anything else. You don't need acceptance. You don't need rejection. You don't need anything. You don't need anything. No demands whatsoever. But that doesn't mean you won't enjoy. What kind of ice cream was that I had last night? Butter pecan. Butter pecan. Bring on the butter pecan. <laughs> You've heard of that. I'm saying, don't, so enjoy yourself. Enjoy whatever is happening in your life. All kinds of. There's not some kind of don't, like the Buddha did, try to sit on rocks and go without eating. And because he was trying to find out the nature of suffering. He found out that's wanting things to be different. Second noble truth. Go ahead. Sure, by um, Lid clarifies who um, they are. Lydia from Indiana. I don't think I've had an interview with Lydia. I don't know. Anyway, if you have further uh, questions about it, but I, I think it probably come close. I wouldn't do too much with how you look or try to appear more. What's that word more better, <laughs> more in line with what what you think people ought to think about what you're thinking about what you're thinking about what they're thinking about what you're thinking. You don't look like her. I'm looking at you. I might. <laughs> yeah, you might. Further question. Any further questions? How is that desire for butter pecan different than thirst for otherness? It's, it's, it's there, but it's, there's no demand. You don't, you don't care if you get it or not. You know, you want it. But it's not, it doesn't come up to the level of thirst particularly. Although it might. Addiction can, can be, which is tied into so many, in so many different ways that that operates. And each person has, works with the, the absolute demand for something else, for otherness. And that's tied into all the chemical situation in the body. It's so different for each person. Is that what you're asking me though? Uh, Augie Bowling. Augie, go ahead. I had a question about related to the first instruction in your new book. You say uh, to be aware that you're adding is actually adding. Yeah. And I'm trying to understand that relative to my experience, which is most often that when I suddenly realize that I'm adding, there's a, like a collapse of the adding thinking just kind of comes to a stop with that recognition that i've gotten lost in adding how, how do i put that in perspective with well, to be a, aware you, you don't have to do anything about it. that's exactly how it's done there's just no celebration you just you, of course you have to add you're making a comment on it you're commenting on the adding it looks like i'm adding but then 
probably the whole thing is going to collapse and you, you'll stop adding. But you won't also so say, looks like I've stopped adding now. So there's, there's going to be some kind of a of a, something showing up in the mind stream and is all about being aware in such a way that you don't grasp, you don't reject, and you don't shut down. That means you're going to have to look at a lot of grasping, a lot of rejecting, and a lot of shutting down. So you actually get to know yourself. You get to know your mind stream the way it wants something else. There, there won't be, when, when, when the, the belief or the attachment to a self goes away, there's no one left to even know that. So you won't know that anything has happened. It's a good area for questions if you're able yeah. to come up with them. Go ahead. Augie Bowing, the doubt I guess I've had is that the collapse is an old habit of shutting down. Bowing. Probably. No, there's no, the shutting down just stops. The grasping stops. And uh, uh, what's that other one? But but it doesn't stop completely. It continues because it's dependently dependently risen. You don't you don't you don't own your anger. You don't have to get rid of your anger. It's the belief in a self that's angry. The self that aspect of consciousness that comes together in a little ball and makes take makes use of dependent origination that is arising in the mind stream of that particular entity who was born at a particular time who was going through a particular set of karmic circumstances causes and conditions we call karma there's no one there no one home as the, the, the it says in the i think it's a hokyo zamai wooden man is that in hokyo zamai stone stone woman the stone woman gets up dancing, the wooden man begins to sing. This is a way of using that image. Someone in ancient times was a Tozan Rokai, someone back there, one of those names I can't remember, said that it's like it's like the, the personhood is gone, but they're still dancing. There's still karma. The personhood is gone, but they're still singing. No one sings. Much better singer. No one's there. And then there's not a concern about how you sounded. If you've ever heard Trunk or Rinpoche sing, you'll see someone who doesn't doesn't care how they sound, but it was able to sing. It sounded terrible, but it was because of his presence, incredible presence as a as a uh, as a Mahasiddha, a great teacher. Uh, it didn't matter. He just he was able to manifest whatever showed up without any self-consciousness at all. Thank you. Sir. Is self-centeredness somehow a thirst for otherness? No. Wanting to be somebody that does this, wanting to be somebody that has that. Wanting to be somebody that is, so it's, it's very subtle. It can get very subtle if it's your own thought pattern, but those are still other. If there's a being that is thinking, then the being is the, the subjective side and the thoughts are the objective side. I am thinking about going to the store and getting some ice cream. Do you want me to bring you some? What flavor? Chocolate. 
why do you want chocolate? Why do you always pick chocolate? <laughs> you know I hate that. No, it's okay. I'll give you some chocolate. More? Choose number nine. What isn't other? What isn't other? Realization. There isn't any, there isn't any other. Everywhere you look, you just, just simply put, and this is, can maybe helpful, may not. Everywhere you look, you don't see anything else but yourself. You don't see anything but this. It's just a way of talking about it. You don't even see yourself. You just don't see anything else. The elseness, the otherness, empty of other. It's a, not something I thought of. Just something that when I heard or heard that teaching, it just, that's how it looks. It's a way of talking about it. As, as I've said many times, I don't, I don't teach out of what I know. Teach out of what I'm looking at. And you can see this if, if you're interested. If you're not, then do something else. You're a monk, so you're probably interested. Go ahead. Is devotion a thirst for others? No. No, a, a devotion is uh, the closest thing, uh, other word that would be, it's about, it's about you. It's about you. It's not just about what you're devoted to. It's about the act of devotion, yeah, intending, intending, be with all things. The teacher, if they're a true teacher, is someone that you can pour your heart out to and will receive it, but there's no one there. That's why it's complete reception. And that's how you begin to see that you're not separate from, from that. You're not separate from the teacher, the mind of the teacher, the mind of the student, not two separate things, never were. But there has to be first, there has to be devotion. There has to be some kind of uh, ongoing direction, intent, intend to be with all things, intend to uh, take refuge in the, in the Dharma in, or in the, the Buddha and the Dharma and the Sangha. It's just a device. It's just a structure to say, okay, let's do it this way. And what can we do with the body? Well, let's, let's make a gesture of, of devotion. Let's, let's prostrate. Let's bow to that. Put cause and effect together. Put subjective and objective together. Offer that. Offer that. Offer that to the teacher. Peter doesn't give a shit. They're a true teacher. They're not going to care whether they have devoted students or not. They won't even care if they have students. Because they would, if they didn't have any students or if all the students ran away because of something the teacher said or did or some kind of karma came out of the broom closet, who knows? They're not going to be particularly uh, concerned with that because they see dependent origination and they say it's nothing is about them. Nothing is personal. Nothing. The most intense personal difficulty or hatred of this or that is not. There's no person who is hating anything. You could, it would even turn it the other way around and there's, there's just love and not the corny kind of love. Love is not a feeling. The grasping kind of love is definitely a feeling. I love that. How about you? You can't have any because it's mine. You can't have that. Do you want that? You can't have it. I'll keep it. I might give you a little bit if you treat me nice. How's that? Transactional, transactional. Not concerned but not ignoring anything, seeing this is the only way that someone can teach, truly teach, not just, I'm not saying you can't teach 
study the Samdhinirma Chama Sutra and even do a translation of it and teach out of it. Of course you can. You can relatively teach. You can teach the, the Diamond Sutra, the Heart Sutra, but to actually point out, uh, point out um, uh, reality, you have to have what? A student? A student, yeah, that's wonderful. Very good. Susan, how does an intention that has duality built into it, like save all beings, be with all things, address the thirst for otherness? It's just using that same dynamic of one, using using desire and, and Bring it together so that the desire is in a direction that has a has a an ultimate understanding that really begins to transcend, uh, like the vow that transcends karma is the vow to be with all things. Whatever happens, it's got me. I'm there. I'm, I'm there. Whoever needs my help, I'm going to help them. That doesn't mean I'm going to necessarily do whatever they want. That vow to be with all things. Save all beings. There aren't any beings. There aren't any things. Okay, I guess we're good. May we learn this penetrate into all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way. If you value the teachings of Sokozan and you would like to support his teaching work and the functions of Sokokoji Buddhist Temple Monastery, which also supports monk and practice residents, please consider giving a donation by visiting our website at sokokoji.org.